0: This is Irish Illustrated Insider. I'm Tim Priester with Tim O'Malley of Irish Illustrated, joined as usual by Pete Sampson of The Athletic. It's Tuesday, June 28th. We have a lot to cover with the media, uh, at least the local media, spending a lot of time with Marcus Freeman on Monday. I believe O'Malley and I were the first ones up in the list of seven uh, on on Monday, and we covered a lot of ground. Uh, And Pete, you met with him a little bit later and probably had a little bit of a different approach than yeah and we did because i was our, six yeah okay ours is a little bit more uh, of a daily need of uh, a june need of information um and let's start with uh well tim uh let's start with um with the jadarian price injury which of course we've had a podcast since that was revealed i, I believe we knew that that was happening or had happened at that point but that's uh I mean, that's a significant loss coupled with the with the talk about Logan Diggs not being ready for the start of the season, which we anticipated. Right. And just Freeman confirming Diggs, he's not going to rush
1: him for Ohio State. He's going to stop Diggs from trying to rush for Ohio State. I think it makes sense. He kept saying uh, upper third, which means September. Yeah. He's, hoping, he's hoping he plays in September, the schedule. And I thought the most revealing answer was when I said, he has to play at some point near or after upper third because you're going to be back down to three running backs by the time Diggs comes in. Someone's going to get hurt of the running backs that they have in the three. It's, it's not having a fourth running back. It's having a third running back for the stretch run because you get banged up. It's just crucial that he comes back for... I, I think it's crucial that he is back for that North Carolina-BYU combo, and I think it's difficult to say he would be back for that and in, in, in football shape.
2: Feels like a stretch to me, doesn't it? Like,
1: yeah, yeah. But that, I mean, that clearly, that's the next after Ohio State. That's the next thing to point. Yeah, and
2: certainly Blake Fisher blew all these expectations out of the water. But Blake Fisher was very much the exception. Like, usually, you come back, you practice for a week, you get a few reps in the next game, and then maybe you're back to where you were. So, I mean, that that's much more of a kind of a middle third, one hundred percent, if that timeline. But I think Marcus had said that Diggs was ahead of schedule. So if you sort of take that at face value, maybe uh, maybe you're getting the the practice work before Cal.
1: Yeah, and that then, would be great. That would yeah, be awesome. Yeah. That's right. really what and, you need and in I was,
0: Notre Dame. I was going to point that out, that, that that Marcus Freeman did say that he is ahead of schedule. And so that's good news. I mean, everybody, uh, you know, all the other guys that we talked about, I, I think the one guy that we were off on, and and I'm probably responsible for that as much as anybody else is, I thought Avery Davis was further along. Now he said he's running full speed, which is great news, but he's not at football, uh, full football, uh, clearance. Sure. Right. Yeah. Right. So, you know, I mean, it's the end of June, you have all of July August practice starts. He's probably not full go. I mean, I'm not really sure exactly what perspective that Freeman was looking at when we brought up each name. I, you know, I said, you know, we'll throw out the names. Will they be ready for the start of the season? He may be looking at, well, he's not quite ready for the start of August. Yeah, um, yeah. but that you know, that's problematic, I mean, obviously, the Notre Dame's wide receiver situation. He did
1: blow it out in mid in mid November. It's not like he's behind schedule. I wouldn't think. Well, right? that's why. That's
0: to- why. That's why I've always spoken kind of confidently that he would be ready to go as a skill position athlete.
2: I. I mean, also I think football shape for a receiver is not the same as football shape for a running back. Very true. That's one thing. Uh, And then I was, I was talking to somebody over there about Avery Davis last week and there wasn't even, it didn't come up at all in the terms of like, when we were talking about Davis there, there was nothing about like, Oh, you know, maybe October or maybe late September. It was just like, it was just like, yeah, we're relying on Avery Davis. Like he's going to be good to go. So, or that was the implication or the inference that I made. That yeah, going to and be that's why I'm
0: saying what what as we ask these questions, Freeman may have had in his head August whatever the start date is for 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 yeah. practice. So
1: sure, and Tim, uh, just
0: so to your point, the way
1: you yeah. w- the way you rattle off the names, um, he probably got to Davis being the one that's not cleared right now. So he was True. like, Pat- He's like Patterson, great. Oh, I'll say right. Bertrand, I, I said, said heart, Patterson, fine, Bertrand,
0: Hart. Yeah, all the yeah. oh, Adam Alola. And then You ended Davis up throwing in like, uh, Shrouth. And Shrouth is good to go too, which is, yeah. which is good to hear. Not that he's necessarily going to, to push for a start, but you know, you had some other guys in there. That's just going to, Wilkins is the one that, and as you've been saying all along, Tim, that, that was I mean, seen. it's a Liz Frank, he broke it in April yeah, or he March. Right? On you April know, I mean, 1st,
1: because I remember yeah. he posted, yeah. everybody thought it was April Fool's. Yeah, <laughs> It was not.
0: <laughs> yeah. So, um, you know, I mean, most of the news there is, is, uh, is pretty promising. We're going to jump around a little bit here in segment one. We have a lot to cover, but I want to—I do want to jump into basketball real quickly. Blake Wesley, the number 25 overall pick in the NBA draft last Thursday, San Antonio Spurs, probably a – I mean, you know, if you're looking at just like early playing time, probably not great per se, but what a great organization, a yeah. great head coach to, <laughs> to go to to learn the game uh, the right way as he moves forward.
1: He hit the jackpot with that part. That that's fantastic, and uh, sometimes a great organization is worth a couple ticks in the bank account because it might make you stay around several years longer, become a better player for a lot more, lot more clicks in the bank account later on.
2: That's yeah. I, I think I saw something on your guys' board about like, oh, Blake Wesley made a mistake. I'm
0: like, <laughs> Come is on. that really the takeaway? <laughs> um, <laughs> I don't think the family uh, thinks he made a mistake. No, at, I at mean, this point. I, I, but I get the point. The point yeah, being that he could be a lottery pick like Jaden Ivey is was
2: right yeah. and i think uh, ivy is it, what it wesley's at 6 million ivy's at 18 million if i'm not mistaken so you know it could be a Isaiah Fosky return on your investment a year sure, from now yeah. but if you if you want to go you want to go and there are worse first jobs in the world than a 2 million dollar contract for the That's best the
0: coach uh, the You're best coach in the, in the, the last door. 20 yeah. years yeah. right exactly. Doesn't hurt. Now, my whole point, I wrote an editorial shortly after, you know, he decided to, to, to make a step forward at that. I'm not sure he was completely decided he was going to go in the draft as soon as he announced it. But, uh, you know, my whole point is, do you want, I mean, do you want to make this a profession where you're in it for eight to 10 years or is this just a, a you know, signing the big contract, But he'll also get
1: better. Now, in retrospect, he has Popovich in the Spurs. He will get better at basketball because he's not at Notre Dame, and I don't mean that as a as a slight at people. He's going to be a much better basketball player playing year round for the Spurs organization than he would for Notre Dame.
0: True, but he's not. But the playing time will be limited, and ultimately, the actual game competition is what really grows you. But uh, point taken on your part, Tim. I mean, there's. There's no doubt that that's the right organization for him to go to. And look, he didn't want to be in order. He didn't want to go to classes. That was not a, that was not a Notre classroom was not a good fit for him. And we knew that from the very beginning. So all the best to him. He's off and running. The family has a good financial start in his career. And, and my hope for him is that, that he can use these next four years to assure that he has a second contract. And yes. that can be a little bit iffy if you're not getting on the court and there's another Blake Wesley coming up right behind you four years removed.
2: There always are.
0: There are always there always will be. Now coming up, there's going to be a bunch of back to football football recruiting in particular. There's going to be a bunch of Notre Dame uh, prospects here uh, verbally committing to one school or another. Cam Williams from class of 2024. Charles Jagusa, the the uh, very talented. Mm-hmm. Offensive tackle will be making an announcement on Thursday. On Friday, Micah Bell, um, really a two-way player. I think most are looking at him as a corner, but, man, he can absolutely fly. And then you, I, I, Rico Flores, I, I, I skipped over him. He's on July 3rd, and then Christian Gray on July 4th. You think any of these guys are going to choose somebody other than Notre Dame?
2: <laughs> I was going to say, when you said one school or another, what's
0: well, I was just, what's the other? I was <laughs> trying to add a little mystery to okay. it. Okay. <laughs>
2: <laughs> no i mean they're a great they're a great shape for all of them um i think it it would be a shock if they didn't go five for five from that group which i mean i think we've talked about it and tim you've probably written it it's like you usually don't end up with everybody you think you're going to end up with but so far with a sort of <laughs> oh, we do have a question segment two that, we'll... um, that they replaced with a different quarterback who's a five-star prospect like they they kind of have continued to check Every guy they think they're going to get, they seem to be getting so far, which is, at this point, really impressive Uh, once you get into summer.
1: Tim? I mean, five offensive linemen, if you get Jagusa, is a nice start when you're hitting the end of <laughs> July 1st. Now, I know there were some people that thought maybe they could slow play a little bit because there are other targets you could get up front, but that's a nice – With you have – three tackle prospects now where one of them will one day be a athletic guard that's the best case scenario for modern college football and it's exactly what Alabama has why Alabama's lines always look when you see them up close a half a tick better than Notre Dame's best lines is because those guards are serious athletes and I think that's what I like so much about guys like Shroth and Jarrett Patterson now being a guard it's just and, and there's a guy that Quentin Nelson, you know, we can't reference him because that's just different. <laughs> but uh, just, I really like it when you have three real tackle prospects, and you're like, wait, who's playing guard? Oh, who cares? They'll figure it out. That's how it's supposed to work yeah. out. They they've determined it by themselves by playing. You gotta
2: you gotta get to an Alex Barrs point, right? Like right, where you're like, right. Oh, could have been a tackle, but man, what a guard! Yes, um, yes. That's sort of where they are. And I, like, I I went and saw Jagusa work out. Like, he is not ready to go out of the box like a Blake Fisher but man, it, it, he is, he is built like a guy when he got
0: off the bus, you'd be like, dang,
2: yeah. uh, he has got some really
0: unique genetic gifts. Yeah. We really need to, the, the whole Fisher already as true freshman <laughs> in the fall. I mean, I, we really need to fight the temptation to think that that's something that can happen on a regular basis because it just isn't going to happen. Well, also, healthy when it does. No, it's not healthy when it does because
1: no, exactly. uh, that should have been, I mean, Blake, Blake's different than all, but it should have been, you're looking at the tackles being like, man, I can't believe how Blake, how good Blake Fisher is going to be in two years, but we have McGlinchey and Ronnie Stanley right now. So he's not right. going to start <laughs> like those guys start because you don't have someone. Yeah. yeah like for it. example,
0: Qu- you think Quentin Nelson could have played as a true freshman? Yeah. yeah Hell of of yeah, he could have. Like,
1: I mean, yeah, but like look at it this way. It was a line that needed to move Josh Lugg and had to go recruit Kane Baden and have Zeke Correll play guard in order to operate. So yeah, those guys yeah. made the starting lineup eventually. Yeah.
0: And then I Pete, you 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 mentioned our message board. Somebody said I saw this, uh Rocco Spindler missing in action. Missing in action. He is he is he's just, going into his
2: senior year. Shouldn't he be going, playing
0: more? I mean <laughs> <laughs> you know i and and i would I, I don't think that that rocco spindler has showed them everything that maybe they expected in his first year on campus but right. come on man i mean you just got to be realistic and you can't put everybody in fisher and alts category but hey i want to i want to i want to conclude uh talking real quickly about Northern baseball but before we do that in segment one i want to jump back to our interviews yesterday, and start with you, Tim O'Malley, as to something um, that we dealt with 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 Coach Freeman that you want to you want to bring up. Yeah, I th- anything in particular?
1: Oh, uh, I, I thought it was from Budney Musings. I was I was surprised that his immersion into the offense seemed similar to what it was um, leaving the spring, where he was he was learning about learning about the offense, sitting in on offensive meetings, trying to get a good idea about the guys. I get that, and maybe I'm just reading too much into it, and he is hes the head coach that trusts the offensive coordinator and the offensive coaches. They're going to be in lockstep on their complementary football. They're going to play with the defense, and he just kind of wants to know what an offense is thinking rather than the nitty-gritty of his own offense because he will not be getting down to the nitty-gritty of his own offense. And to be fair, Charlie Weiss certainly wasn't getting down to the nitty-gritty of his own defense. Brian Kelly it very often was not getting down to the nitty-gritty of his own defense and they know what they're doing not everybody is 100% hands on um just when he he's so refreshingly honest that when he said i you know, i wish i was a graduate assistant somewhere prior because i'm interested in offensive football your shoulders I feel, slumped i, I feel I, like invisibly. a va i'm like ah. <laughs> just it's it's a great conversation <laughs> but just the wrong word but you know you don't have to be heavily involved in the offense when you're a lifetime defensive coordinator taking over Notre Dame as the head coach
2: no i I spent some time with them talking about the end the end of the first half of the Fiesta Bowl and sort of
0: Yeah, this is a in, good story. Yeah.
2: The in-game situations because I you know, from a tactical standpoint, that's there are like a thousand first-time in-game situations you have to make. Yes. Um yeah. and he's trying to study as many as possible. You know, he talked about how when they got to first and goal at the seven, with I think a I think there's a minute 23 left. Um, they threw the ball, stopped the clock. Next play was a, a really beautiful cone to mayor touchdown. You're up 28, seven. And if you're Notre Dame, you're not thinking like, Oh God, I wish we were to run clock there. We're up to no, seven. You're you're, you're um, but it's, it's one of those things where like the the process was bad to get to it. Um, and you have to account for that because then it ended up biting you in the butt uh, immediately when you gave up a touchdown right away. It's 28, 14. And suddenly it's, it's game on. And that changed the entire complexity of the second half where you don't play Tyler Buckner because the game is tight. Um, so the, those kind of situations. And then within that was he wanted to run the ball. I don't know if he articulated that to Reese on the headset at the time, but Reese through it was aggressive. And he said, moving forward, if we're in that scenario, again, Reese knows I want to run the ball. We're on the same page. Like, Working out those kind of kinks, I think, is really interesting to me just because um, it's a it's the first-time head coach stuff. And there's going to be a lot of there, – there's going to be this situation again probably three or four times during the season. And it may not come back and bite Notre Dame the way it did uh, in the Fiesta Bowl, but that, that's the stuff that's really interesting to me this time of year.
0: In accordance with that – and, Tim, this came right at the end of our our, our 30 minutes with him – you know, I asked him, and this was something you and I had discussed going into it, that, you know, you can't say kicking game or you can't say special teams. <laughs> yeah, what was left I over? He, looked, he, you said, like, I'm not yeah, he said, to you, say you that. can't say special teams. He said, can I say kickers? Yeah. You know, as to what coming out of the spring, going in August, what was unfinished and he <laughs> feels he needed to. His smirk at you was crazy. Like, I can't, can't say, say kicking. He says I like, can't say kicking. It looked
1: like he. I'm the head
0: coach. I can say whatever
1: I want. <laughs> no, <laughs> well, within
0: that, within that answer, he also said the ability to run the ball at will is something I think we have to do. And I, you know, what, where you just impose your will on somebody and say, you know what, we're running the football now, and you can't stop us. I love that attitude. I think you've got to have that kind of attitude offensively. I think they have an the offensive line to um, to attempt to do something like that. I think it's. I think that's really important. We did all get a good laugh when I said to him at one point, "Man, we were talking about Fiesta Bowl, I said, oh, "Man, you great. got. Yeah, I mean, you realize you got a you got a complete one hundred percent pass from Notre Dame fans on that on that loss." <laughs> so, and he got, I don't he, want,
1: we don't want to misquote him because I was transcribing it, and I remember the moment being like, we were all joking about how shocking it was for ten seconds. <laughs> I don't think he said anything. So like the transcription is you saying that and him having this smirk on his face, like, I can't believe I'm going to laugh.
0: I don't think <laughs> I've, did I did not
1: say any of those words, but you could see was really definitely like, I know it's the only time it's ever going to happen without saying a single word. So we are interpreting it, but that, that is exactly that, what he looked like.
0: <laughs> that was the first time that I think I've heard the full fledged Marcus Freeman laugh
1: Yeah, <laughs> when
0: we when we were talking about that because he 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 you thought know, that it's... that was kind of an uh, interesting Iraq too. All right. I want to wrap up. Um, this segment one here, Link Jarrett, of course, as we said all along, there's no way he could turn Florida State down, and he and he didn't. He's the new baseball coach there. I know people have been asking about um uh, uh possible successors to him. I know that Justin Hare at Campbell, the Campbell Camels out of the Big South, they've been to the NCAA tournament four straight times. Uh, they've beaten NC State Georgia Tech in the tournament, they took Florida to the wall at Florida. He's 41 years old. I think he would be a a, a great successor. Uh Bischel, the Jordan Bischel, the head coach at, at Central Michigan is very good too. Notre Dame whipped up on him last summer in the uh, in the regional at Notre Dame. He's probably gonna go to Michigan. So I don't know that that's uh that that's realistic. I like uh, Jim Penders at Connecticut, but everybody tells me that Connecticut won 50 games this year. And they've been in the NCAA tournament eight of the last 12 years at Connecticut. So that says a lot uh but everybody tells me that he's a Connecticut guy and he won't leave Connecticut. So uh there's there's Jeff Duncan at, at Kent State. My choice is Justin Hare from what I know about him and I know that he's on Notre Dame's radar whether that will be enough for him to to replace Link Jarrett, I don't know. But Link Jarrett's a great coach. Really enjoyed working with him, had a very professional relationship. Exchanged texts with him, texts with him to just congratulate him and I said that hey, I hate the fact that you're going to continue to compete against my alma mater, but that's the way it's going to be. This is the double hit for,
1: there, man. <laughs> yeah, that that's the
0: part that really stinks about it is that you you still now you got to beat them. You not only lost them, you still got to beat them oh. now. So, anyway, coming up segment 2, burning up the boards. Thank you for listening to the Irish Illustrated Insider podcast. If you enjoy our coverage of Notre Dame football,
2: please consider supporting the podcast with a small donation. Go to irishillustrated.com slash support. Your support will help Irish Illustrated continue to be the
1: leader in coverage of Notre Dame athletics.
0: Running up the board segment two, we start with a question from Jay Bolt 250. With injuries mounting at running back and wide receiver, do you see a new name emerging for the return game to preserve Chris Tyree and Braden Lindsay on offense? Braden Lindsay's not really... Heavily involved in the return game. I know he's they're
1: they're trying to get him in it because it's it's always made sense. It's a great question about Tyree. What do you? He gets about twenty returns, right? Most of them are fair caught. Most of them can be fair caught. I certainly don't use Chris Tyree against Marshall and UNLV and Cal at home. Well, that first. might be I, a way. I to... want Chris Tyree returning my kick against Ohio State when he gets one chance, though.
2: Yeah, I think that's a good great way to look at it. It's like that. I don't know if it's a new name that I wouldn't start with a new name. I would just start with like a difference of like usage yeah, and like have it scalable by the game. Um, So they've, (laughs) I think they've got a number of guys who can fair catch a punt or kickoff because like the return opportunities are, are limited. It's it's not a big, it's not as big part of the game as it was
1: 20 years ago. The interesting thing for me is if you try to recall who was back there, like you're not preserving, like Brandon Joseph is one of the potential punt returners could be preserved too. he's, he's a pretty good player. They, they need that guy at safety. Um, Jaden Mickey's a potential punt returner. Maybe you do go that route. I could, I could, you know, if, if he can catch the ball and be competitive, I'm still just, I'm still safe punt return against Ohio state. And I want Chris Tyree to get a shot to break one. If they make a mistake and kick it to the one.
0: Yeah. I, you know, I, I mean, I still think the unique Chris Tyree returning kicks. I don't know. I'm not sure it's 20. I don't know that he had 20 last year. I'd, have to double check that but the two names you mentioned tim Brennan joseph and Jaden mickey come to mind you know i mean when you're talking about something like this you're you're short on running backs and wide rece- wide receivers that that's that's the pool that you're choosing from generally speaking along with some some corners um so i mean if it's not them then you have to look at i don't know Jaden bellamy benjamin morrison I don't, I don't know if those guys are but we're talking about you know, there's a pool of skill position athletes, and if you're right. narrowing it a running back and wide receiver, now you're going no. to the defense. So good there, to oh, no. my goodness, back there. you know, that might be oh geez. That I mean, <laughs> you know, you know he's gonna catch the football. Um, so I mean, that might be the option, but I Timmy, your original point, we have Marshawn Kel and UNLV, you just don't yeah. you don't use those front-line guys. No. In those situations, you, you don't you hate to go into a season with that type of approach, but that's part of the adjustment. That may that may actually be it. Wash ND is
1: next with the injuries at running back. Do you want to revise your prediction that one back will not reach a thousand yards rushing estimate seems to be in line to be a bell cow back at this point with Tyree being more of a Swiss Army knife?
0: That was one of your predictions, I assume.
1: No, um, I think we all said no one would have a thousand yards on a podcast. I, um, I mean, I, why- I don't revise it because if someone was going to have 1,000 euros, it was going to be Jadarian Price for me because I don't think anyone's getting close to it. So I really don't want to revise it now. Price was my guy that could have all of a sudden been like, well, we don't need to rotate so much. Let's use Jadarian Price, right?
0: Yes, uh, but I mean, so...
1: If, if estimate gets a five thousand yards rushing, it is the greatest breakout performance ahead of Kyron Williams as a red shirt freshman. And Kyron Williams was an, a, a revelation. Well,
0: I mean the, the morning heard, of the blue gold game. Yeah. Before we heard Diggs about, was injured, estimate was number four on the list.
1: That's what I mean. We heard about Kyron Williams in August and we're like, eh, it's COVID 2020. He's the only guy we talk about. He's starting. And then all of a sudden you saw him we're like, ah, no, that, that's why we heard about him. That guy's really good. We have not heard estimate in those terms yet.
2: That's that's a, probably a fair description of that. I it that this this can I have you do this for a future Monday musings, the greatest out of nowhere yes breakout performances. The, um gotta be Kyron right now. I mean I mean it was like it's like it'd be like what like Jonas Gray Shark. shark? Yeah. Yeah, Samarja. Jeff Samarja was not somebody you're like, oh I've heard some good yeah. things about Jeff Samarja. Yeah, yeah. Um yeah, that would, that would be an interesting exercise.
1: But Estime would have to be way be up on. that list. Yeah, because if Chris Tyree goes for 900 yards, like, oh, great job. Good job, Tyree. That was a – you could see it coming because he's he broke off
0: seven runs that right. covered
1: 450 yards of his 900 yards.
0: Yeah. Well, you know, when we were talking to him yesterday to, to, to Marcus Freeman, and, and we brought up the subject of running back, so the first thing I said, you know, Estime, obviously his role – Oh, it it's off. going to, yeah. I mean, it's it's going to increase significantly than what we projected, like I said, the morning of the blue goal game before Logan Diggs was injured. So, but a thousand yards, I just don't, you know, I think I, I I don't think that you're in a position. Jabron Payne has to touch the football. He's got right. he's got to get touches. So I, I you to know, I don't
1: touches against UNLV by that time and against Marshall, because you have to be winning by that much, and
0: you have to be able to separate from these games. Right. Right, yeah. So I don't. I mean, I didn't think there was going to be. And I get the question because you had five, and now it's three. But I still don't think that that's going to be the case. Question from TJ from PA seventy. What are the tools or strategies Reese and Freeman are most likely to employ to help accommodate for the thin running back and wide receiver rooms? Will you see more twelve packages? Does Butner potentially have more designed runs than originally anticipated? Could this offense start to look a lot like it did two years ago? I feel
1: like Buckner's design runs aren't as necessary, except they are going to exist anyway on third and two and fourth and one, because the design there is read the tack, read the end and keep it or give it. I mean, that's his, this is a true read option possibility. Now it's no longer just thinking the handoff play actually yeah. I mean, Tyler Buckner <laughs> can keep it and go. Um, but, Yeah, the tools are are multiple and we've we've talked about it a lot. You're gonna see plenty of two tight ends and plenty of we talked about it last week. Avery Davis went healthy. He knows how to go in the backfield and then eventually split out, right? There's multiple ways of doing this. Michael Mayer can flex out on occasion, and bring in a tight end. The running backs are if if Jabron Payne can uh, pick up the system and get in there to allow Chris Tyree to flex out as a second runner. That helps. So it's not just estimate there. Are, there's are plenty of people. It's just, you can't lose any of them. And there's 12 games.
2: I think it's a couple design runs here or there, but that's not in the, in the quad option concepts that I think we're going to see a lot of where it's Buckner gets the snap fakes to the running back. There's a jet sweep. He can fake it. They can throw it. He can run it. Like, it still depends on like what the defense does and how you yeah. read that out. Um, you're not gonna keep it more in that situation because you're down on running backs. it's It's a purely a matter of how people are defending it
0: <laughs> and clearly, I mean, the question also included uh, twelve packages, and I, there's no doubt about that. I mean, you have Michael Mayer, if you have a Kevin Bauman, that's a really good one two punch. They like Mitchell Evans. How many snaps they get last nah, year? He played, played he a bunch a lot more than uh, and, I thought. Yeah, and Eli Raritan is, I mean, basically, Marcus Freeman, when I mentioned Raritan and uh, di- I didn't have him in my original group and then brought it up, I mean, he pretty much said he's going to be good to go. So uh, that's a really strong area. Kane coming back from the ACL, and you have Holden stay. So certainly they'll, they will use more of that, and he didn't comment specifically about Raritan. Um, you know, aligning wide, but I think we're going to see that. I,
1: so I, I, to Pete's point, I think it's important to say that that's why we don't think the offense will look like it did two years ago under book. It's a it's a different offense. I mean, it's been
0: well doing yeah, something poor, different
1: with Tyler Buckner than he did with yeah, Ian Book.
0: If if Buckner's reading it correctly, which he certainly has the capabilities of doing, uh, you your running game, your read option game becomes a lot more diversified, and that's really really important in the grand scheme of everything. And also in helping keep everybody, you know, the, the, the three running backs that you have healthy, keeping them healthy question from HR Puffin stuff. You're giving away your age with, with that name, um, name of the, name of the week though. So that's good. who's yeah. Who's 2022 performance. Are we more likely to look back at and say, wow, Jaden Thomas or Tobias Merriweather? I mean, I, I think everybody will say
1: wow Tobias Merriweather, but I think you're I think they will both have good years because they have to be involved so heavily in the offense. Do you you know how we keep saying there's seven scholarship receivers? Right now there's six. Because Joe Wilkins is not involved at all until he's back and at yeah. some point.
0: Hey, and could I throw something in here to before the season starts and, and the groundswell is the chance he stuck, he sucks as a coach could we could we establish right now that he has one of the most difficult jobs he probably has the most difficult job of any assistant coach at Notre Dame and if the receivers struggle it's you can't yes. just assume he's not doing a good job he has six receivers one is not full go yet
1: Avery Davis is not full go. He doesn't have Joe Wilkins. It's the 7 is a wrong number. It's false. He is not available at least until mid-October. I to, I told you they
0: shouldn't he have him. He, he doesn't have experience uh, as a receivers coach. That's not the conclusion that you can
2: go to if they a, struggle at receiver. That would be quite a breakdown of the Irish there if that was your opinion.
1: Oh, <laughs> we should point out part of our conversation with Marcus Freeman, they are not uh going to get a portal wide receiver this year.
0: Yes. Yeah, that was
1: be a, that was
2: significant. He, he, yeah. Yeah. told you guys, like, we kind of, we got who we got.
0: Yeah. 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 Um, you know, and obviously they scour the portal. Yeah. I mean, it's not like you didn't try, but. Um, and I, you know, like scholarships are tighter than normal, I guess, as we still come out of the pandemic and, and all that, but. Yeah. At 86, I, but I you know, mean, that, that's, that's
1: an easy I, one. But uh, look, if you
0: looked, if you looked at the portal and you said, look, they're, there. they that guy, he's not going to help us. That guy, as opposed to just throwing a body out there, and I know they, I know they need bodies. I get that, but you know, I think that 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 Salerno right takes now a, is the
1: body that Salerno. Yeah, little- I mean, I
0: think that takes a little guts to to make that determination that yeah, we need bodies, but that guy's not going to lift our receiver room, and so we're we're not going to go in that direction. I don't know. Maybe I'm giving him too much credit for for failing in the, in in the portal at receiver, but. Um, I think that shows a little bit of foresight.
1: Celtic chase. Who is your pick for the other projected starting guard opposite Patterson? Assuming the plan is curl at center at Patterson moving to guard. How do you see that playing out to into the season opener? I think we all agree on this one.
0: I, I don't think that there's just, the, look, we all, I mean, I pick Rocco Spindler as the top player in the class. And so you know, I would like to try to keep my reputation of projecting players intact. And I'm struggling in that area right now, although he's very, very, very young. I mean, I'd love to see Rocco Spindler develop, but in no way, in no way is he anywhere close to where Josh Lugg is four years, four years younger than he's Josh not, Lug. And it's
1: so important that people understand that there isn't, Josh Lugg is going to start if he's healthy at guard. This is not, he wasn't challenged by Rocco Spindler in the spring. Rocco Spindler improved. Harry He yeah, loves no, Rocco Spindler. He didn't no. challenge
0: Josh Lug to start. No, now, right. Now I keep we keep I keep forgetting to say this. He was not anywhere close to winning the starting job at the end of spring. Come August, maybe that will be different.
1: Right. But, but as of now, we have no clue to say that he has he is yeah, approaching Josh Lugg's status.
0: It would be great. It would be great if he was like the other two young offensive line. He's just He's not. Josh Lug is – I mean, you can have whatever opinion you have about Josh Lug and his consistency. He is a superior offensive lineman to Rocco Spindler right at this moment.
2: I agree with everything you just said.
0: So we
1: think it's going to be Josh Lug. Yes. And then, I mean, then it becomes, you know, Christophic or Spindler first guard off.
0: (laughs) Christophic is next, not Spindler.
1: It seems like it. Yeah. It it does seem like it. Now that that is a bridge that could be shortened, right? Yeah. I mean, you could, be, yeah, Spindler could make a background, yeah. I would think. But and
0: I'm not saying Spindler's not going to be a player. I'm just saying he's not ready right now. He's
1: it's just, also about the season opener, so we can guarantee you what's happening the season opener as yeah. of right now.
0: It is Josh Lugg. The the plan is Josh Lugg, a 60-year senior, a 24-year-old man who I know. It's I just go back to the tales of the tape and, and what I said. I mean, I get it. But he's a much better football player and much more consistent than he's given credit for because some of the mistakes have been glaring at times, and we remember those and not the steady play, snap after snap after snap. I'm not saying he's a world beater. He's Notre Dame's best option, plain and simple.
1: Irish boy one. For weeks, we heard that Notre Dame felt good about getting Dante Moore. Should we have less confidence in the future? When we hear they feel good about a recruit, that is a really well worded and interesting question to me.
0: It's an interesting question, one that would would be best served after Cam Williams, Charles Jagusa, Rico Flores, Micah Bell and Christian Gray make decisions within the next week. I mean, like Pete, you said, I mean, they just about everybody that they've targeted and thought they could get. They've gotten except right. for
1: the most high-profile guy. Of so the for last, Dante uh, Moore, are, yeah, <laughs> of two years. Like but then they got to fight the, a five the st- whole
2: except for the quarterback thing. Is like okay, you can't really have except. It's like you can say except for the strong safety. Like yeah, but five. is that on?
0: I mean, is I mean that's more on Dante Moore and his decision making than than Notre Dame screwing up the process. Right. I think it's just, but
2: to Irish boys' question, like. Yeah, if if you have a staff who feels they're gonna get prospect X, and then prospect X goes to Oregon, um, yeah, I, I, you're you're right to sort of like <laughs> hang on to that or remember that. I mean, that that's always like when when you talk to people or talk to coaches about recruiting, and you know, you know, they feel confident this guy or that guy you sort of just keep a mental note of like how often they were right and how often they were wrong. Some coaches are really optimistic. Some coaches are really pessimistic. Um, some guys are more in the middle. So I I wouldn't say this is like something you should dwell on or ruminate on, but if your Irish boy won, but it's worth, you can remember it.
0: Yeah. I mean, if Brian Kelly was still the head coach, you wouldn't have to worry
2: a- about Dante Moore at all at that point. <laughs>
0: well what (laughs) oh so he what he would have been he wasn't on the radar (laughs) oh that's (laughs) yeah i just uh they're getting most of the guys that they want and i you know i'm not trying to discount they they they're not going to get dante more and that's that's a huge miss uh but they followed up by getting cj Carr, who could possibly reclassify there's a lot of talk out there about is Nordine forcing him, and does he want to do it? If he doesn't want to do it, he shouldn't do it. I mean,
1: yeah, because they're not going to say we don't want you to come here. Right. Nordine's not going to
0: turn yes. their back on him mean, if he's a, if he isn't physically, emotionally ready to do it, he shouldn't do it. Is Nordine pressuring him to do it? That's the that's the question that is is coming up at Irish Illustrated. Pete, do you have a. I think they would. I mean. Why wouldn't
2: you want him to do it if you're Notre Dame? Yeah. Now there's a difference between like encouraging and pressuring. That's, yeah. you know, one's pejorative and one's just like motivational. So, but <laughs> if he doesn't want to do it, he shouldn't do it. But I, if I was Notre Dame, I would be like, I would present the reasons why it'd be beneficial for you because the, the reasons why it's beneficial for Notre Dame are so obvious. They barely need to be stated.
1: Next question from Swarbrick for Prez. You are forced to bet your life savings on two of Notre Dame's stats, finishing the top 15 for the season, one offense, one defense, which stats are you placing a bet on? I have my defense and I cannot think of an offense.
0: We all, <laughs> I, yeah, I mean, i defensively, I would say scoring defense. I don't see any reason why that doesn't continue to be uh, a strong trend, a, an annual thing for Notre Dame, especially considering what's coming back on the defensive line. And how much we like the linebacker core and the improvement that we think we're seeing in the secondary. I think there are several stats norton could finish in the top fifteen defensively, but scoring yep. is one that they have been doing in recent years. Offensively, help us out, Pete. I I don't have anything. I I have no idea what the
2: offense is going to maybe look uh, like in the sense of like where it's elite,
0: top top fifteen and least sacks allowed. I don't. I that was came to mind,
1: but. Scored so weird. It scored so weird. And with Tyler Buckner running around back there, like,
2: yeah, mobile quarterbacks like have not always historically been like sack proof. Like, it's yeah, like Tommy Reese was their least sack quarterback, not mobile.
0: Hey, uh, speaking of sacks, this is totally off the subject, but uh, Navy threw 97 times last year. They gave up 30 sacks. It's because
1: they got. They were t- 80. Navy was some 80th
0: for loss. Navy was 80th in the country in sacks allowed, and they threw 97 times. So. That's not good, man. That, that is like, a deep dive. Like you're into, getting to Navy <laughs> right now. Too. Uh it was just part of my first-rate stats I, that I was referring to, and I'm like, you gave up 30 sacks. It's Ned Navy. I'm getting off the topic. Here. Of Tim, course, yeah,
1: on top of your um. Scoring defense, which they were 14th last year, but they've consistently been in scoring defense the last five years. I will say sacks by the Irish defense will be in the top 15 again after last year. Finishing oh, yeah, you, that was, you you yeah.
0: projected that they'll break their we'll break the 41.5%. i will
2: tell you what, I will go. I totally agree with O'Malley with sacks for the defense. I this is not really a stat, but perhaps
0: like quarterback rushing attempts. <laughs> <laughs> Is that Take something a, you want to be in the top fifteen in no. the country on? No, really. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's Can't a work think of career. anything. I, I don't. I mean, I just don't think it's very realistic to think they're going to be in a. You know, it's life I or think, death. We got to make a life or death choice here. But it's yeah, a, it's like death if, is almost certain if we. <laughs> if it the question was phrased
2: more like, "If you want to go out on a slight limb, where do you think?" Like, I would say uh, red zone own touchdown percentage will be vastly improved. Yeah, that was the first one that's, one. One. Too. that's, that's the a good first one. That's the first one I
1: looked at too. Was yeah. that, uh, no, that's once good you call. get down there, you have Buckner, you have Mayer, and a good offensive line. You better find someone that can go one-on-one and jump up and catch a touchdown pass. It's not only Michael Mayer, though, for that stat. There's other teams that have good offenses, I was thinking, could be a problem for this
0: yeah. prediction. No, that's mm-hmm. a that's a good choice. I like that one. Yeah. I'll, I'll uh, agree with you on that one. A uh, question from Irish Cowboy 22 Aside from Tyler Buckner, name the one player on offense and one player on defense that you feel needs to have the biggest impact for a highly successful season. Irish Cowboy 22 says his picks are Chris Tyree on offense and Jaden Mickey on defense.
1: I cannot go to Mickey because I think the other three corners, the three starters will do well, and Jaden Mickey will do well too. So that's. I'm not going to go that far. Uh, I mean, Tyree's getting hard to argue against at this point, isn't he? You need, you definitely need a breakout player that's a veteran that they will have a really good year. So I won't argue against Tyree. Defensively, try to pull up my depth chart quickly. I mean, Isaiah Foskey is his best year by far. Notre Dame is in very good shape.
0: Maris Lea, hey, what you got? Maris going Le- I was um, going to throw in Leopold. Who do you got, Pete?
2: I'll go Riley Mills. Cause I think it's like sort of a, uh, if he is a great season, then Fosky's season is going to be ridiculous. And Jason Adamolo's season is going to be really good. Cause it kind of, it's like when you have three elite receivers at the same time, um, other schools have, what is that, that
1: like? What's that like?
2: Yeah, you should watch some tape um, offensively. <laughs> I, I just don't know if there's a receiver that's that's realistic to uh, answer this question with. So like, I know Zeke Correll is not like, Ooh, that's exciting. But if Zeke Correll has a great season at center, like that almost guarantees Notre Dame's offensive line is going to be awesome. So I'll go with Zeke Correll.
0: I agree with Leo I agree with Correll. That was the one offensive player that I, that I wrote down here initially. I mean, you know, there could be Braden Lindsay could, could, could be the guy offensively. Um, you know, Lorenzo Styles having a sixty catch season.
1: Yeah. Well, Lorenzo I mean, Styles could have a sixty catch season in eight hundred and fifty yards and eight touchdowns, but I think he absolutely has to have that.
0: Yeah, I'm sorry. Oh, anyway. oh, so so, yeah. yeah. oh, okay. That's fair. No, that's fair. Um you know, you can pick. So is that true of Lindsay too? Uh, or or you don't we that's, don't
1: I think that's the second receiver on the team behind Michael Mayer yeah. is Lorenzo Styles, and then that. Trickles down. Somebody else jump up.
0: Zeke Carell's yeah, a, a
1: great call. Zeke a great call because they have three potential all-American offensive linemen not named Zeke Carell.
0: Right. And this, and I, I I could be wrong. I'll be the first to admit it. You know, I will. if Jared Patterson moving from center to guard and all of a sudden he can't play, like some people are speculating that he's going to go, go to guard and not be effective. Why? Why would he not?
1: I mean, I think they, why would he not goal. be effective at guard
0: without having to snap the football? Why would that be the case? I, I don't I don't understand that. I, you know, I'm the first to point out that you know, how many st- starting assignments Nordames five projected starters have at that position. I believe the number's 11 because all of Patterson starts are at center. Yeah. Uh Lugs started one game at, the, you know, at guard and Corell started two games at center and, um, but I just thought corrals my choice, and I just don't I think Patterson is going to be just fine at Edgar. And if I'm wrong, I'll admit that Cam Hart having a huge year, living up to the yeah. reputation that he seems to be developing behind closed doors a lot and in games last year. He's why I didn't
1: say Mickey. I mean, if Chris O'Leary tells us, and this is hyperbole, but you don't go crazy if he's not a guy you trust. When he said Treek Bracy should be the best nickel in the country this year, I don't think he's going to be the best nickel in the country, but shouldn't he be a really good nickel if that's what Chris O'Leary says? Yeah. He didn't, yeah, he didn't yeah, say Chris O'Leary can help us win. I mean, he, I mean, he didn't say Tariq Bracy can help us win. He said he can be one of the best nickels in the country. Right. We all like Cam Hart. And Clarence Lewis has started more than 20 games coming into his junior year. He's had three bad ones.
0: Yeah. One of them, everybody would have had a bad one. So Mickey is a supplement to it. I, yeah. Like you don't anticipate him just flat out winning starting job. Jade Mickey's I mean,
1: profiles coming up today. And I tried to discuss high end expectations and low versus what right. we should expect.
0: Right. He'll play a significant role. I don't sure. think there's any sure. doubt about that. And again, we're not, we're not excluding Barnes, Barnes from the equation. So I think he brings a lot and there's some other guys there too. Qu- question from Dika one, one, Oh, one. I'm not sure I have that right. Which decision was worse and which one will have the biggest impact on Notre Dame's upcoming season? Blake Wesley not returning for another year to maybe be a lottery pick next year or Kevin Austin Jr. declaring for the draft only to sign as an undrafted free agent? The biggest impact is Blake Wesley because
1: that would give Notre Dame an all first-team All-American guard to go with Dane Goodwin, Nate Leschewski, KJ Starling, and that's a lot of wins. Cormac Ryan. Cormac Ryan, my, yeah, my gosh, the way he played the end. He's yeah. a first-team All-American.
2: Mm, I'll All due respect, uh, but the biggest impact is the football one.
1: Because it's football. Because <laughs> it's football. <laughs> <And> it's football.
0: <laughs> <laughs> now that is inarguable yeah. from that perspective. Yeah, uh, it's a great question. Um, because I mean, Wesley, what? I mean, Wesley was going to, I think he was going to take his game to a, a, a pretty high level, after a, you know, it was a spectacular freshman year, but the inconsistencies were.
1: I'm just picturing Jay Picturing Jade time. I'm picturing a Jade. No, time. I
0: agree. I I agree. I I. But I mean, Kevin Austin at at yeah at Boundary at. I mean, if he if if you just had Kevin Austin on the team right now. With Tobias Merriweather coming, you'd have in, seven
1: you'd, scholarship players at the position. Well, you awesome. would,
0: but you would, but you would have your leading receiver from yeah, last year leading wideout. They're so.
1: both. It's a great question because they both hugely impact. But Blake Wesley was drafted in the first round as an 18 year old, and Kevin Austin was an undrafted free agent. So Blake Wesley did not make a bigger mistake than Kevin Austin.
0: That's yes. <laughs> That's, that is very that true. That side
1: of it is not
0: an argument. That is very true. We're going to wrap up with a question from Icy Gold, and this is. I put all of our names in there, but it, I, it was mainly directed at O'Malley. And so uh, I see Gold wants to know what O'Malley is grilling and smoking over the 4th of July weekend.
1: Well, I know Jack Freeman will be smoking ribs because Jack Freeman has a Traeger grill and he likes to uh, have people come over and watch him grill. And probably um,
0: a Cohiba. Uh, with
1: that. <laughs> I, yeah, That's right. I actually have a very hectic 4th of July weekend that includes a father-in-law's birthday a family friend wake an all-star baseball tournament in michigan and my wife working on the fourth so i am out for this weekend will not be a really great time not out from working i'll be working as well but i will not be doing a whole lot on the fourth so pete tim what are you guys supporting jack freeman's uh, efforts with on the girl
2: I will uh, gladly let someone uh, smoker grill something for me. There you uh, go. <laughs> I'll be I'll be spending uh, part of the weekend on a boat in Diamond Lake, so that's an enjoyable place to be on July Fourth. So I'll, well, uh, I'll, I'll cheers to a, a former uh, person that we've covered as I motor by
0: his house. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you'll be in the vicinity, huh?
2: Yeah, quite um, close.
0: I'm the I'm the worst guy to ask about grilling. I mean, I, I guarantee you there will be red meat on the grill this weekend. That's the extent of it. I mean, I'm not you know, I don't I don't we don't have it quite planned out yet. But uh, Jack
1: follow Jack post your uh post your ribs on Twitter instead of just Facebook that people can see what uh, Irish illustrated put out there on this on the trader.
0: Hey, everybody, enjoy your long holiday weekend. Of course, the holiday weekend means 4th of July is on Monday. So our next podcast will once again be on Tuesday, July 5th. We appreciate you joining us. Until then, this has been Irish Illustrated Insider.